Tall Tales and True is produced on Wurundjeri, Yagara and Turrbal land, and I'd like to pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. I don't know if any queer kids had it easy growing up in the 1980s, but I reckon if they did, they weren't living in a conservative Aussie town like Adelaide. I'm Mahmoud Fazal, and this is Tall Tales and True, the show where we showcase the best of live storytelling across the country, where we celebrate storytellers brave or silly enough to get up in front of an audience and share something that happened to them. This season, I've curated a series of stories that have reframed my understanding of rebellion. And Jen Cloa's story has it all, an addiction, petty theft, and a secret identity. Jen shared their story on Gadigal land for queer stories. Nineteen eighty-six was all about Whispering Jack, Lady Diana Blowwaves, and Kylie's debut on Neighbours. The end of each day, punctuated by Dexter running stats on a couple's compatibility, as Greg Evans leapt around the stage in Hush Puppies. Paul Hogan's Crocodile Dundee took the world by storm, whilst the lesser-known masterpiece Malcolm caught the attention of more discerning moviegoers. I was twelve and looked like a boy. So much so that I would usher looks when I walked into the ladies' toilets at the Hoyt Cinema. I owned a silver BMX with blue tyres that my parents had embarrassingly assembled for my recent birthday. When not at school, I wore black ripple soles, Levi's, a black Bonds t-shirt and a Ford jacket. Holden jackets were not cool. In 1986, I lived my life outside of Catholic girls' school largely as a boy. I also had a dirty secret. I was addicted to Galaga, the Bally video game sequel. Thank you. Can we have a moment for how great that game is? I'm so glad I'm not alone. This story is going to touch a special place for some of you. Uh, The Bally video game sequel to 1979's Galaxian. The gameplay of Galaga puts you in control of a spacecraft which is situated at the bottom of the screen, with enemy aliens arriving in formation at the beginning of a stage, either trying to destroy, collide or capture your spaceship. The player progresses every time alien forces are vanquished. Galaga is one of the most successful titles from the golden age of arcade games, Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man and Donkey Kong its highest ranking. I was no fool, I knew a good game when I played one. The closest Galaga tabletop was about two kilometres from my house, in a corner store next to St Peter's Anglican Boys College. This is where the sons of wealthy Adelaide radio personalities were schooled and whole tribes of South Australian farming offspring were sent to board. The classic St Peter's casual attire consisted of a pair of RM boots, beige work jeans, blue and white striped shirt, collar up and a dryzer bone. I was schooled at the Catholic girls' equivalent, Loretto College. (laughs) Any Loretrians in here tonight? Yes! (laughs) (laughs) This story is going to touch a special place for you. I 
iron-fistedly ruled by a coven of Irish nuns, daily we were tortured with thwacks to the back of our legs. Adelaide is famous for its churches and murders, and one can quickly see how they came to live side by side. (laughs) The life of a boarder at a religious school seemed like a sad one to me. Each Friday, as other kids looked forward to weekends at the surf or speed skating at downtown, boarders had to go back to the same four walls. The corner store was a nearby outlet for boredom, and I'm pretty sure the St Peter's boys kept their business afloat. My dedication to Galaga was so great that I was prepared to sit and play on a Saturday afternoon surrounded by a pack of St Peter's lads. My expertise soon grabbed the attention of a few regular gamesters, and before long I was drawing a crowd as I furiously jerked the joystick back and forth, (laughs) annihilating one row of alien bees after another. One day, a large, thuggish redhead with a litany of freckles called Davo asked me what my name was. John, I replied, holding my breath to see if he bought my disguise. Davo looked at me for a few seconds and then... John does all right for a little fella. (laughs) And so I became John, the little guy on the silver BMX with blue tyres, purple reflector sunglasses and a Ford jacket. Months passed and my status as an expert grew. Now when I walked into the store, I was greeted with nods of recognition. As I sat down with my farmer's unionised coffee and a neat stack of 20-cent coins, a crowd, a, crowd would form, a crowd would form to see if I could top my previous high score. Life as John was comfortable. At Loretto, I was daily confused by the endless rules and protocol of being a young lady. Young ladies cross their legs, don't shout, pull their socks up, wear stockings in winter, wear a blazer when travelling outside of the school grounds, never open their mouths when masticating food, (laughs) never talk unless they are spoken to, wouldn't be seen dead on a BMX. The rules were endless and dull. They meant nothing to me. I lived for the weekends when I could transform once again into that confident, sexy little man in black. (laughs) John Cloer. Keeping up a habit is expensive. (laughs) To fuel my weekend binge, I needed at least $10. (laughs) This was stolen from my mother's coat pockets, my father's bedside drawer, and a collection of books in the study where my parents stashed their bigger notes. It started with some small change, a handful of 50-cent coins and the occasional $2 note. But soon I was snatching purples and blues from between the pages of (laughs) Pride and Prejudice and Gardening Australia. (laughs) Thankfully, my parents were busy people and my long absences went largely unnoticed. I would rise early on a Saturday morning and pedal down to the only 24-hour McDonald's in Adelaide. As I scoffed my cheeseburger, I could feel the butterflies in my stomach begin to wake up. Soon, I'd be at the corner store playing Galaga. There was nothing in my life so performative, adrenaline-filled and thrilling. Nowhere that I felt so adequate and successful. It was in this tiny corner surrounded by St Peter's boys that I was liberated, where I could truly be me, where I could live freely as John. All deception runs its course, and my halcyon days were numbered. One learns in life that everything passes, both the good and the bad. My schoolwork was suffering, and I was deeply unhappy at Loretto. I had friends at school, but most of them were fast becoming girls. 
Ra-ra skirts and bubble dresses were the latest fashion craze as Madonna and Cindy Lauper topped the charts. I was also starting to discover that no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't get a boner for Christian Corvo. <laughs> Sorry, Christian, if you're out there listening to the Queer Stories podcast because somehow you ended up being a gay lord too. You were no doubt adorable, but no matter how many times he spoke on the phone after school, I just didn't feel that special thing. I was neither a girl nor a boy. I was just me. Wherever I looked, I couldn't find a place to belong. I didn't even know what a lesbian was. The word queer was used to describe dirty old men who hid in parks waiting for children to walk past. A positive non-binary experience growing up wasn't a reality. Adelaide in the 1980s was not a place where you discovered gender as a journey rather than a destination. It was a place you survived. The character I identified identified with most was (laughs) E.T. Here's a photo to prove it. I was into outsider role models, and just like E.T., I was somehow trying to phone home. Planet Earth made no sense to me. There must be somewhere out there where little people like me could just be left alone. End of term was fast approaching, and I had an essay due Monday. My mother, Dorothy, a tall, proud, and brilliant academic, had confined me to my room to study in preparation. As I sat poring over my history books, I could feel the first thought drop in, a warm explosion in my stomach. I longed for the feeling that came with completing level 10 just before the first challenging stage, (laughs) armed with a double fighter ready to obliterate a swarm of alien wasps. That sense of achievement as 10,000 points, perfect score, flashed across the screen with a triumphant bleat. I could take it no more. I threw down my pen and stuff like moved quickly to the study to grab some cash. My mother was in there working. No mind. Next to my dad's dresser drawer. Empty. Of course. Just a few days earlier, Lucy Turnbull had stopped past collecting for her MS readathon. (laughs) In a rare and desperate move, I went direct to my mother's purse. It was slim pickings, a 50 and a $20 note. Whatever I took would be noticed. I no longer cared. I placed the 20 deep in my pocket and mounted my silver steed. (laughs) Like most Saturday afternoons, the shop was pumping. The smell of Balfour's pies and pasties heating in the warmer. A fresh batch of Allen's strawberries and cream on the counter. And as I sat down, the faint smell of cigarette smoke on some of the older boys. I had now earned such a reputation that I was given the table as soon as the game was over. Taking my seat, I felt the adrenaline catch up with me. There'd be some explaining to do when I got home, but for now, I was safe. I took a big bite of my crunchy and settled in for the long game. (laughs) Things were off to a good start. Having passed the first two challenging stages with a perfect score, I was two men up and armed with a double fighter. I sailed through level 30, where most players become unstuck as the speed of the game increases. Another challenging stage, another perfect score. I had now clocked 250,000 points and had a serious edge of about 20 people around the table trying to see what was coming next. Even Mick, the shop owner, was watching. After level 40, he gave me a free bottle of Coke. (laughs) 
I took a massive gulp before firing into the next round. I was now at the eighth bonus stage and about to clock half a million points, my highest score ever. Each time I completed a stage, a cheer would resound, my pals slapping me on the back with approval. I was in new territory, levels none of us had ever seen before. It was thrilling. As the next stage began, Davo leaned close to my ear and said, Go, John. You got this, mate. <clears throat> it was then that I started to notice a commotion near the door, where, out of my periphery, I could see a tall shadow had appeared. I looked up to see my mother standing there. <laughs> I quickly looked down, hoping somehow that the crowd would conceal me. But it was too late. Jennifer... Come home at once. <laughs> Silence. Followed by the loud explosion of my fighter blowing up. And then the moment as it slowly dawned on the boys who Jennifer was. I sat there like a lump. At once, my mother barked. I stood up and started to walk to the door. A couple of the boys sniggered, but the general mood was one of shock. John was a girl? My face crumpled as I slowly climbed into our baby poo-coloured Volvo. <laughs> overcome. Overcome by feelings of shame and defeat. My cover blown. I never went back to the store again. I reckon that was one of my favourites for this season. When I first heard it, I couldn't stop thinking about the way Jen described gender as a journey rather than a destination. Rebellion on that path becomes something like a survival mechanism. Musician Jen Cloer first recorded that story for Queer Stories, an LGBTQI plus live storytelling event and podcast. For more stories like this, go to queerstories.com.au. I have one more episode for you this season on Tall Tales and True, and it comes from me, Mahmoud Fazal. The world around me had degenerated into a climate of foggy violence. There were run-throughs, kidnappings, shootings and murders. And as I go back to that phone call, I imagine the gun dissolving in Omar's hands like sand before he has an opportunity to pull the trigger. That's next on Tall Tales and True. You can listen on the ABC Listen app. Hi, I'm Molly. And I'm Carl. And we're the hosts of the kids' podcast, Short and Curly. Each of our episodes tackles a curly question about the world. Like, should we try and bring back extinct animals? Is it your fault if your room is messy? And is it ever okay to lie? Plus, we have a lot of fun along the way. Well, we make a lot of fun of you, Carl. Oh. It's a podcast to get the whole family thinking and talking. Short and curly. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 